The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the moment in our day when we seek stillness in God's presence, guidance from the Word of God, and grace to live by faith. This is the moment when we view horizontal living from the divine perspective. For the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Now here's today's message. We hope it will be a blessing. Welcome to Beside Still Waters. I'm really glad to be with you today. And uh, we're starting a a new series of conversations about uh, a common experience that happens to every man, every woman, boy, girl. And uh, with these common experiences, we're going to be looking at the nation of Israel and what they went through, what they learned as a nation uh, about the ways of God and his dealings with them, uh, the purpose and uh, working of trials uh, that they had to undergo, if you will, or that were allowed of God. But uh, with this new series of conversations, One Size Fits All, and uh, that is the name of it, but One Size Fits All. And uh, as I said, it's going to be uh, the common experience in a spiritual life. At the end of the day, the purpose of Besides Still Waters is to help the follower, the disciple, the devotee of the Lord Jesus Christ, develop a consistent, uh, healthy relationship with God such that uh, the very thought and notion of who God is is not a far away experience, but it is more personal, up close, dynamic, a sort of looking to God in the day-to-day affairs of one's life. And uh, that's what we're really going to be focused on uh, in the next, uh, albeit four to six conversations. I'm not really sure how long it will take for us to wrap our minds and our hearts around the truths that we are going to extract and look at through the eyes of a very unique nation that God has uh, deigned to use uh, to fulfill his purposes. So, not only the common experience uh, that is going to be uh, germane to all of our lives, but the challenges also that's associated with it, and uh, the solutions. Because uh, although challenge and suffering at times appears to be random, uh, there is a purpose for it. It's not always clear at the very beginning, But over time, we get a better sense of where God is leading us. And uh, I'm trusting by God's grace and through willing and prayerful hearts, uh, we will allow the Spirit of God to speak with us. Uh, We may learn how to avoid common pitfalls and especially uh, the watchword of our time together Uh, the promises of God that are applicable to our experience. So that being said, uh, we're going to be really looking at uh, the nation of Israel at their inception uh, in uh, Exodus. Uh, 
And as is common to all of us, uh, things were rather productive, <laughs> I could put it that way. Um, we are told in the narrative in, in chapter one that uh, the nation was beginning to multiply. And at what point Joseph died and all of his brothers died and that generation died. And uh, we are told that the children of Israel were fruitful and they swarmed and multiplied and they became exceedingly strong. The land was full of them. Uh, and that's where I think we all love to be, at a place of prosperity, when things are going well, when the coffers are full, the bank account is healthy, uh, the body is functioning, uh, you know, perhaps a pound or two here or there that we'd like to get rid of, but albeit, at the end of the day, we are really satisfied with the results. And then, as is often the case, we are told in the very next verse that a certain king, a new king, arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. So now, God has put someone on the throne, and I say God has put someone on the throne because it doesn't always appear that way when politically things go awry. But it is uh, woven throughout Scripture that Jehovah is the one that's orchestrating even on the political level. So a king arose who did not know Joseph. He was not aware of the tremendous good that came by the hand of Joseph and how God used this uh, young slave and not only to benefit Egypt, but the then known world. So this, this is a monumental change a complete shift. And for us, sometimes that shift occurs at home, sometimes in the workplace, as was the case in 2020 and 2021, the onset of the COVID pandemic or economic downturn. But either way, there is a change. There is a break in the blessing, the stream of blessing that we've been enjoying. And with this king came oppression, burdens, afflictions, distresses. And this experience of change is common to everyone. It will happen to us Sooner or later, whether in our youth, in our mature years, or in our aged years, change comes. And if you're listening to my voice today, if things have been going well, I want to tell you, if you are cultivating a relationship with God, a dynamic, interactive progressive, growing, deepening relationship with God, change, challenge, trial, and the like will be your lot. It is going to come. It's going to happen. James says it when he wrote to the Christians who were scattered, but we read it often 
And sometimes we inwardly tremble at the notion that trial can come my way. But he says, count it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing this, that the trial, the testing of your faith produces endurance. There is a purpose by God in allowing change, challenge, trial. If you bought a piece of jewelry, you would want to know what the purity level is. Well, I assure you, to get to the highest purity level, it will necessitate the hottest environment, the hottest fire, the most intense flame to separate the impurities from the pure metal. There is no other way. And God uses challenge and trial to purify our faith, the ability to apprehend inwardly by our spirit what God is about, what he's doing in our lives, and how we perceive clearly his working, and we have a grasp of his promises with clarity. And as such, we are able to seize the good that he has promised to us. But we have more to say about that. So uh, we find, of course, that a, a new king has, uh, has come. And with that new king, uh, there, are, there are distresses, afflictions. But in chapter 2, we learn something that's quite unique. You see, often when all of this is happening, it appears that God is silent. We grope in darkness to get a sense of where is God in my current drama. God is silent. God is unseen. But in chapter 2, we, we see uh, the life of uh, two individuals, the, the parents of, uh, of Moses. And when uh, Moses' mother uh, gave birth, they thought this child was a good child, a lovely child. And they decided to ignore the edict of the king concerning the destruction of these children because at the time the nation was still growing in spite of the, the hardships that they subjected them to. And I say that to simply say this, that God was in the process of answering. He was in the process of answering. The children of Israel were in Egypt, perhaps, give or take, a little over 400 years. It took 80 years for Moses to come to maturity. So uh, you would estimate roughly two, uh, less than, you know, I'll say, essentially, a 20th of the time that they were in Egypt, it took God to get the solution in place. Okay? It took a short amount of time 
in contrast to the 400 plus years that they were in Egypt and suffering. And what it tells you is that when, when God appears to be silent, he is actually at work. But very often, what we are dealing with is want of faith. Want of faith. Now, I, I know this sounds a bit uh, churchy. <laughs> you know, some, some folks you know, criticize the individuals who are walking by faith to be uh, 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 perhaps narrow in their worldview. But it's really quite the opposite. What we are seeking to do is expand our worldview to incorporate the one person who, if you will, will not only fill our vision, but exceed our vision. And I'm here to tell you, it, it, when we, by the time we get to chapter 3, this is when God is about to introduce himself to Moses. He was going to get his attention. And when Moses finally met with Jehovah, there were certain things that, that Jehovah revealed it to him. And he said, I've seen the affliction of my people. I've heard their cry. And I know their sorrows intimately. Now, the only one that has been given that message is Moses. Because Moses is about to receive his commission to go to Egypt to be the means that God would use to release the people. And now, he is not only going to be a participant, but an eyewitness of the glory of God. Moses is about to have a very unique experience of the living God himself and his ability to insert himself in a very close, intimate way. And that is precisely what we are seeking to understand when circumstances change, when our lot goes from really fruitful to questionably fruitful, sometimes to outright challenging. The first thing we need to understand about who God is is, well, we'll find it in, uh, in chapter 6 of Exodus, when Jehovah, in strengthening Moses for the task he is about to be used to, if you will, accomplish, he says to him that he remembered his covenant. Jehovah remembered his covenant. Now, this is really important for one reason. You see, it's not a matter of our emotions, whether or not we feel that God will respond to us. But to God, a promise, an agreement, a commitment to work on our behalf becomes extremely important. He holds himself to the promises that he has made. And when we go to God in prayer, we can be assured that if we come on the basis of what he has promised, he is faithful, the scripture says, to perform it. So he, he reveals himself as a God of 
covenant. I've remembered my covenant. And this is why so much emphasis is placed on the scriptures, what is written. Now, for the average man who just thinks, well, the Bible is just another book, I certainly can understand that. But for the child of God, for the Christian, living by faith, the Bible, the scriptures, becomes the centermost piece in our uh, strengthening of faith because we are going to rely on what is written. If you recall, just briefly, when the Lord Jesus was in the wilderness uh, 40 days and, and afterwards he was hungry and, and he was tempted by, by uh, Satan uh, at least three times, he repeatedly asserted the authority of Scripture by saying it is written. And the basis of his response in the moment of crisis is based on what was written. And the reason why he did that is because that writ has been uh, created, written by the Spirit of God using human agents. It is a divinely inspired word. And therefore, being inspired, it can be relied upon and trusted. He's a God of covenant. In addition to that, and this is secondary to his covenant keeping, but he says uh, in uh, verse 5, I believe, that he has also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, the very ones that the Egyptians forced to serve. And he said, again, I remembered uh, my covenant. If you were to look at, I think, at the, at the fourth verse, he said, I established my covenant with them. In the sixth verse, or the fifth verse, he said, I remembered my covenant. So not only did I establish it, but I remembered it. And then he says, I will bring them out. In verse 6, I'm going to bring them out. Why? Because I made a promise to bless these people. I made a promise to Abraham to bless them. So based on my promise to Abraham, renewed to Isaac, and renewed to Jacob, I'm going to keep the covenant I made, and I'm going to release them. Now, this is important because he's aware of their suffering, but the basis upon which he will work on their behalf is because he made a promise to do so. Now, you say to yourself, well, what is that to me? I'm struggling in this circumstance. What is that to me? Well, in chapter 7, we, we gain additional facts about what is happening. In chapter 7, we learn that God was the one that put Pharaoh on the throne. And God has an objective in allowing trial because he's going to come into our arena and he's going to reveal, whether to us or to those around us or to both, that he is God because they will become eyewitnesses. I mean, they're looking at our struggle, but we will have, if you will, a story to tell. There is a promise in uh, Psalm 50. Call upon me in the day of trouble. 
I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. Call upon me. That's a promise. That's a covenant. That's an agreement. By the Spirit of God, you call on God as a child of God, of the uh, 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 disciple, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You call on God based on the fact that he says, call on me. And he gives the promise, I will deliver you. He doesn't put a time stamp on it, but he gives the assurance, this trial is not forever. But you also have to make an agreement with God that when he delivers, you won't be silent. You will tell your story. And often we keep the stories to ourselves. No, tell your story. Because someone else needs to know. Pharaoh was a puppet in his hands. There is a, a, a verse in the book of Proverbs, chapter 21. I believe it's the first verse. It says, The heart of the king in the hand of Jehovah is as the water brooks. He turns it wherever he wills. So you're about to see uh, uh, an oppressive, despotic ruler oppress the people, but God is the one, we are told, hardening his heart. I know that causes a lot of problems for a lot of people, but this is the narrative. God is at work. He put Pharaoh on that throne because he's about to reveal himself not only to the Egyptians, but to the Israelites and to Moses. And guess what? To us as well. Pharaoh is just a puppet. And God reveals himself. He wants the Egyptians to know that he is Jehovah. They would know by his judgments. And I would say to you, my friend, you ask, what must I do in the midst of trial? And this is what you do. Stay the course. Stay the course in prayer. Frankly, pray until the answer comes. I know that in, our, in Christendom today, there's a, a if you will, a name it, and claim it, and wait for it. But the Lord Jesus labored in prayer, and there have been instances when he went all night in prayer. Prayer is work. It is doing battle, if you will. On your knees, or as you walk, or wherever you are, pray until the answer comes. But do not cease to pray. He goes on to say, not only that the Egyptians will know that he's in their midst, but we will also learn about Jehovah's uniqueness. And he said to Moses, you will learn that there's none like me. There's none like God, the living God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the privilege that he gives to you and me to know him, that there's none like him. But you will only know this as you seek him as your only solution. Seek him as your only solution. Most give up. It's too much work. But God must be sought as the 
only solution. Now, there's a third element that I think is very important. Sometimes it, uh, it escapes many of us because, well, <laughs> we are looking for a, um, how, how should I put it, uh, an emotional experience. But we are told, for example, that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. And what will happen in the midst of trial as we wait on God for grace and as we ask for his intervention or his deliverance, as we continue in his presence with a prayerful, unceasing, single-hearted looking to God, the treasure, the gem, will be when his spirit witnesses within your being. You have been heard. You are a child of God, and he is your father. One of the last things that he wanted to show to the Egyptians and to the Israelites, as well as Moses, was that he is in the midst of the land. He is present. And that is where this witnessing of the Spirit of God to your spirit, that you belong to him. He will not forsake you. The Lord Jesus promised before he ascended into heaven that he would never leave us or forsake us. He would be with us to the end of the age. So when trial comes, and it will come, my friend, it has to come. When challenge uh, faces us squarely like Goliath. This is the common experience of every child of God, of every Christian. Change in circumstances, and this is so important that we, we note this in our hearts. When circumstances change, or a trial arises, or there's an incident that if you will, surprises us. This is God's signal that he is about to and wants to do a work in your life. In fact, before I did this uh, uh, podcast, I was at my desk pondering some scriptures and I saw a notification from my bank. And I saw that a specific vendor overcharged me three times for a few hundred dollars. And I smiled to myself because I realized as I was pondering this same truth that when my circumstances change, God is signaling that he's about to do a work in my life. I paused and I gave him thanks for the error because the error could not occur unless he allowed it to fulfill his purposes. Just as he put Pharaoh on the throne, he allowed me to be charged three times as much as I should have been charged. And the question is, am I going to trust him to resolve it? So I simply turned and I gave God thanks with the expectation, just as he says, 
Call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. So perhaps in a later broadcast, you'll hear how this particular incident was resolved. But at the time of that change, my friend, as we are thinking always about meeting God beside still waters, when the change comes, when the challenge arises, turn to God with your whole heart. Find the promises in Scripture that are applicable to your challenge or find scenarios of others in Holy Writ who have passed through a similar challenge. And remind your heart and remind God that what he did for others, you are asking him to do for you. Oh God, grant us grace to turn to you with singleness of heart and mind to trust you where we cannot trace you. Help us today, wherever we are, whoever is listening to the sound of my voice, strengthen them. Give them the wherewithal to rejoice in the change, the challenge that has now come. Because as you were with Israel, when you put a king on the throne who did not remember Joseph, you remembered your covenant, your agreement to bring them into a land flowing with milk and honey. And we are trusting you to step into our arena and reveal yourself as the God of grace who renews his loving kindness every day. Help us to find you beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the quiet moment in the stillness of God's presence to receive guidance, light, and grace to live by faith. I hope you've been helped and encouraged to press on living for the glory of God. It has been a pleasure and a privilege to connect with you on this podcast. To stay connected, please follow Christian Javois on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in. And we will see you on the next podcast of Beside Still Waters.